Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, again, we thank you for the privilege of being here, uh, for the uh, work that you do in us through the use of the gifts in the local uh, gathering together of the body. We thank you for uh, every person with each gift that's here and how that functions. Father, how we thank you for that. And we thank you for this word that is truth and that you have given to us and uh, so uh, bountifully in this nation. Uh, Lord, may we respect thee and be in awe of the gift that you've given to us. And Father, may we be not only receptive of it, but obedient to it, we ask in, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Ephesians chapter 3, and so let's turn there. And we've been looking at Paul's prayer, and we've been looking at that in, uh, uh, in our study of the glory of God, our desire to know the glory of God, and not only know it, but bring glory to him in, in the process. And so uh, let me read uh, what we've covered so far. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father. This is uh, his prayer. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to uh, the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his, through his spirit in the inner man. What for? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, that's our subject, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Let me remind you that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints. I believe the idea here is it's going to take the entire body of Christ to, for, throughout all eternity, to grapple with and talk about and uh, learn about the love of God. And uh, it's, it's an infinite subject that uh, will, will never be exhausted. So that tells me uh, I can't cover it this morning. That <laughs> uh, tells me that this is a, a subject that is so broad. And we looked uh, at, like I said, at the, uh, at the breadth and the length and some of the aspects of that. But this morning I want to deal with the height and the depth. Now, there's so many ways we could go with this, but there's going to be an, uh, an introduction here. And I, I think this is so important. 
And it's so important to me personally that uh, I, I, don't want, I don't want to miss it. I, I need the review. And uh, I know it's important to you. And that's this. When God declares, as he does so often in his word, that he loves us, how are we to understand that love? That's a really important thing. Um, I, I just jotted this down. Uh, just nothing profound, but I believe a really important thought. We naturally think of love as being treated the way we want to be treated. Got that? Naturally, we think of love as being treated the way we would like to be treated. Okay? God knows that his love is treating us the way we need to be treated. That's huge. And you see, if we don't understand the very core of God's declaration of love, then we're going to miss when that love doesn't look like love to us. Because oftentimes we say, I, I didn't expect to be treated like this. <laughs> I didn't expect to have this difficulty that I have to face. I, and you might even say, I don't like it. <laughs> and the renewing of our minds is designed to bring us to embrace the love of God the way it really is. Now, hopefully, as we go on here, this will make a little bit more, uh, more sense. But here's the thing I find. Over and over and over again in Scripture, when God speaks of his love for us, he talks about the cross of Jesus Christ and Christ's finished work on the cross. Is constantly bringing that into the center of his love for us. John 3.16, you all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Notice, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What's that talking about? It's talking about the cross. Okay. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. All right. And let's go to First uh, John, chapter 4, verse 9. By this... 
the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent his son, his only begotten son, into the world so that we might live through him. What did you, when Jesus Christ spoke about why he came, he said, but for this purpose I came into the world. What for? To go to the cross, to die for our sins and to be resurrected. And God says, that's my love for you. Now, I'm not saying that's all there is to it, but that's so huge. And God constantly draws our attention to this. Now, okay, then Romans chapter 5. And verse 8, very wonderfully, clearly stated, but God demonstrates his own love toward us by giving us everything we want. <laughs> Doesn't say that, does it? <laughs> by removing from our pathway everything that's hard and difficult. But it doesn't say that either. What does it say? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. If we don't get this right, then our appreciation of God's love is going to be flat. It's going to, it's going to fail. It's going to, and, and you know, there's this passage and and that just it's so bold in what it says i've taken you there many a time but let's go to romans chapter 8 romans chapter 8 and we're going to start in verse 32 Romans chapter 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son sent him to go and take our place, die on the cross for our sins so that we could, through trusting him, receive forgiveness, righteousness, eternal life. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all now, here's the other thing. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? You could go off the rails with the last part of that verse. And what I mean by that is you could say, well, how come he didn't give me this? And most of us have something we could say, I didn't get it. And most of us have a whole bunch of things we could say. I didn't get that, and I didn't get that, and, and what about this? And, and maybe we'll never have those things. Okay? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Evidence of what? God's love, okay? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is, at the, who is at the right hand of God, 
who also intercedes for us. Now here we go. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now get this list. Because every one of these things I don't want. There's a whole list here. And it's and it's in a passage teaching about God's love. Let's do the list. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? That's a hard things in life. Or distress? You ever find yourself distressed? Or famine? Suppose you didn't have any food today or yesterday or the day before or the day before that. Would it mean that God doesn't love you? And might you not go in that direction of, if he loved me, I know he knows everything. And a lot of people would read this and say, well, he's not going to let me miss a meal. Hey, listen, there's a lot of people who, as believers, have missed a meal and then a whole lot more. Okay? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution... Wow. So now... I've been arrested for preaching God's word. And the people who are my guards aren't treating me well. And I'm being persecuted. And so I say, Lord, you gotta, you got to stop this. And he doesn't. And then I find out they're going to they're gonna put me to death. And so I say, Lord, I, I don't feel ready to die. And yet, in this illustration, I'm hauled off as many, many myriads of our brothers and sisters in Christ have had, have, it's happened to them. We're, we're foreign to that because of uh, where we live. Okay. We may not be for long, but we are right now. And but you can be sure there are people who would like to see you as a believer and your uh, warped view of life put to death because you're a problem. You're interfering with uh, the way leadership wants us to go. Okay. All right. So it goes on. It says or famine. I already mentioned that. Or nakedness. How can a, how could God let a Christian who he loves be naked? But you better believe it's happened. And it's going to happen again. Or peril, just danger. Or sword. What's it, what it like when uh, your, your nation goes to war and you're a believer and here you are in the middle of this and the war comes right into your town and into your house and uh, it, can't you see how you might say 
does God still love me? Why would he, why would he let this man do this? Now notice, just as it is written, for thy sake, we, those are believers in the Old Testament that this is quoting, for thy sake, we're being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, don't miss the first part of verse 37. There's a little tiny word here that's so important. But in all these things, what things? We just read them all. All those things that we would say, I don't, I don't want any of that. I don't even want a little bit of any of it. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. God brings us through in his own time, in his own way. And in these words, through him who loved us. And I, I'll tell you, one of the reasons that I, I keep coming back to this passage has been so problematic for me in the past. Do you know? Because I believe I'm beginning to understand it. <laughs> but it says, I'm going to take these people that I love and potentially and possibly run them through these things that don't look like a love at all. And you might say, well, I don't believe God will ever let that happen, but I, I, I'm just going to argue with you, and I'm going to say, it's happening right now in, to many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in different places, and it's going to continue to happen, and it's reality. But in no way does it mean that God doesn't love those who are his through faith in Christ. And his great, great, great act of love was what? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So that's what I want to look at. So I want to deal with height and depth. Looking at God's love, you realize every one of us could teach a different message on this. Okay, because it's that we may comprehend with all the saints, okay, what the love of Christ is. But what I want to do, and it's uh, a different approach than, than I had last week, I want to deal with height and depth together. Because I think that if we look at the totality of the height of this, of God's love, and the totality of the depth of it, we get a really good indication of the whole thing. Okay. All right. So, where does this love begin? Well, let's go to Philippians, and we are there so often. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 5. 
Let me read this. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So this is how, when we have the reference to an attitude, this is how we're to think. This is how to, what our thinking is to be framed by. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God. Now, just think about that for a moment. Forever and ever and ever and ever, he was co-equal with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, in the Trinity, absolute beauty, glory, with certainly angels falling down before him. That's who he is. That's who he was. Okay. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, a thing to be held onto. In other words, it's saying he was willing not to give up his deity, but to give up his use of the power and the attributes of deity while he was. Uh, subservient to the will of the Father in a human body. Okay. Is that big? Put yourself in that place. I say, I would never do that. Why would he? Well, we could, a lot of places we could go, we could say for the, because of his uh, uh, willingness to please the Father, his willingness to please his own nature, since he's the, uh, the same as the Father, but at the same time, because of his love. Because of his love. That he said, I'll do, I'll do it. Did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to, but emptied himself. Now here we go. We're, <laughs> I'm starting at this height of eternal, almighty God. And then he says, I'm willing to turn away from that in a sense but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant now the one who has always been in command is the one taking commandments the one being told what to do staggering taking the form of a bondservant, and then this one just shakes me, and being made in the likeness of men. What an expanse. I mean, you look at us, and yes, we're made in the image of God and so forth, but we're in one place at one time. We die We have all these things that are true about us. We're weak. No matter who you are, you know, you can't lift up 5,000 pounds. (laughs) You know, 
We're weak. We're puny. It doesn't take anything to wipe us out. And being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. And by the way, Isaiah tells us, Isaiah 53, that he wasn't even an attractive man. There was nothing in his, uh, you know, his physical makeup that would attract you to him. Okay. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Almighty God, humbling himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And then, even death on a cross. That horror, you know, you see the height and the depth from, from where he was throughout all eternity, almighty God, and now he's a man. He's going to die. He's going to die on a cross. And then we could add, he's going to die under the wrath of God. The wrath of God for all the sins. Okay. Let's go to Isaiah. We'll try to look a little bit more at uh, what this entailed. Isaiah chapter 50. And in Isaiah 50, we're going to start in verse 4. It's an Old Testament reference, a prophetic reference to what the Lord Jesus Christ was going to endure. The Lord God, as I love this, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. Think of the Lord Jesus Christ in his uh, earthly ministry, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. Think of his ministry here on earth and the Father, and he says, I, He's given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning, he awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. You think of those times when uh, Jesus Christ was out and he prayed all night. He's getting direction from the Father as this disciple that's, uh, that's viewed here. Uh, the Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. And boy, were there a lot of things that uh, we would say would turn us back. Okay. Uh, and then this. Horrible picture. I gave my back to those who strike me. You think of the uh, the beatings, the whippings, the scourging. I gave my back to those who strike me. This is something we don't even hear about in the New Testament. And my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. 
get the height and the depth. And all because of what? Because of love. And how could? I have to be careful here. I won't be able to go on. How, how could this one who was almighty God before whom the angels uh, worshipped and fell down before him, how could this one have men, wicked, evil men, spitting in his face, and he doesn't even put his hand up? I remember years ago, I was on a construction job. This guy took a had horrible breath, and he took a mouthful of water and spit it in my face. Was I upset? (laughs) I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. For the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I am not disgraced. Therefore, and I'll notice this, I have set my face like flint hard. You know, going to accomplish what I'm here to accomplish. And then I say, why? because of his love for us. No wonder the word of God, when it's talking about his love, it's not talking about uh, that he gave me a new car. It's not talking about that, that uh, I got to upgrade my house. I'm not saying those things are wrong, but that's, that's not what it's about. What it's about is the height and the depths of going from heaven to come to earth to die on a cross and to be spit on and beaten and blindfolded and beaten and then say, who hit you and all of this, and to think that the truth of this, which he said, don't you know, to one of the disciples, I think it was Peter, all I have to do is call and the Father will send legions of angels. How did he not do that? Because of love. How did he not? This is the one that just, I think when they walk in front of that cross and they say, if you're the son of God, come down from that cross. I look at myself, I've been down there in a nanosecond. You are not going to talk to me like that. But he didn't. Why? Because of love. Okay. It goes on, and it says, I have set my face like flint, and I know I shall not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up to each other. Who has a case against me? Let him draw near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who is he who who, uh, condemns me? Behold, they will all wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them. Okay. All right. Um, Go to Isaiah again, Uh, but this time chapter 52. And Isaiah 52, we're going to look at verse 14. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, Now here's talking about Christ, the next uh, beginning here. 
So his appearance was marred more than any man. You ever grapple with that? You know, I, 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 uh, the only explanation I can't, you know, people uh, have been burned to death, people have been blown up, all kinds of things. Uh, how could he have been marred more than any man? And I, I think that the answer to this, I'm not sure, but I believe the answer to this is when God turned the lights out and dealt with him in wrath and what went on there, you couldn't look on. I've, I've read uh, somebody make a comment. You couldn't look on that and stay alive. When you, if you watch the wrath of God being poured out on the sun, and I believe that's what it's talking about when it's talking about he was marred more uh, than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Okay. All right. Uh, and then First Peter Chapter 2, First Peter chapter 2, and we're going to go to verse 21. So Peter says this, For you, we, we believers, have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, First Peter 2.21, who committed no sin, now verse 22, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Now here's the word. Look at verse 23. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. You know, I think about how many times, maybe you've been involved in it, uh, you watch somebody else be involved in it where uh, two people are having uh, a fight, a disagreement, and they're in each other's faces, inches apart, and they're shouting, you know, obscene or whatever things uh, to each other. What's the normal reaction to that? I up the ante. You know, I just, I just well, let me tell you about, you know, and it goes back and forth, and it, you know, lots of times leads to some kind of physical, uh, physical thing. But notice, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. Why? Because of love. Because of obedience to the Father. While suffering, he uttered no threats. Just think of the suffering he was going through and people are calling up to him on the cross and saying all these uh, gross things and he never said, you're going to really regret this. Never. While suffering, he uttered no threats. You know, from our standpoint, when we make a threat like that in that situation, a lot of times we're just lying. <laughs> you know, we don't really know what we could do, but we're going to try to do our best to make it painful for you. And yet, think what he could have said. You know, and been absolutely truthful. He would have been speaking the truth. And he didn't do it. Okay. And, but what did he do? 
but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And notice the result. And he himself bore our sins. This is what all that was about. And we know from those other passages, this is his expression of love to us. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to the righteousness. Uh, For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep. But now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian uh, of your souls. Okay, one more. Let's go to Isaiah 53. Another very familiar passage. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Because of love, again, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. Wow. Father, how we thank you for just this brief look at the height and the breadth of your love, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for us, and the significance of that, Father, the immensity, the infinity uh, of that love. Uh, Oh, Lord, uh, we thank you. Open our eyes to the uh, beauty of what that is, we ask in, in Jesus' name. Amen.